taking the stress out of relationships by making them great. We are, in fact, great relationships. Greatrelationships.com, the website where we hope to encourage one another to pursue the best in work, in life, in love. Herman, how are you, sir? Excellent, Paul. I got to tell you, you've been eating my lunch since the last time we talked about approval, acceptance, and behavior and how I should not have acceptance and approval. It's kind of saying the same thing, that it's really acceptance and behavior. Right. In my life, growing up, it was a proportional relationship, acceptance and behavior. It was almost results-based. And you were telling me, no, that's not how we're supposed to live. It's unconditional love. Well, that's that's what's going to make the relationship the best is when we are unconditionally accepting them. But at the same time, people behave badly, right? So what are we supposed to do? That is a very important issue that we've got to pay attention to. There is acceptance. There is behavior. But we just don't want to be linking acceptance to behavior, meaning I'm going to accept you even if you are behaving badly, not just when you're behaving well. That's how we want to be thinking about this. That's what's really important for us. Okay. Well, Herman, can you kind of help me clear the palate, and may we pray? You bet. Lord, thank you so much that you are our model for this idea of acceptance and behavior. You accept us 100%, and at the same time, you're either pleased or displeased with our behavior, but it never violates or takes place against our being accepted by you. Thank you for that. In your precious name, amen. Pastor, what can I do about my wife constantly nagging me? It's been my experience that one of the first things you need to ask yourself is, are you following the example of the Lord and accepting your wife for who she is, even though she has this bad behavior? Give me an example of something she nags you about. She says I watch too much football. Did you watch football before you got married? Yes, but now she complains when I diagram plays on napkins when we eat out. And she can't stand when I watch the same game over and over again looking for all the minor mistakes. Any other examples? Well, she says I hang around with the same group of guys too much. And she's tired of me wearing a football shirt to work every day. Those complaints seem pretty reasonable. So what do you do for a living? I'm the head football coach for the Cowboys. And just as we had in the drama and we talked about last week, acceptance and behavior, separating the two. Help me do that, not just because it's wise to do so, but the Bible really shows me that. Well, if you think about Ezekiel 18, we talked about that last time and in multiple other times, and I'm, I want to keep bringing it up because it's one of those great passages for parents especially. Too many parents end up having their children behave badly, and they think somehow it is their responsibility. Yes, they, they, in, they were part of that system. Yes, they had some, some hand in it. But here's what Ezekiel 18 says. It says that every person is responsible for their own decisions. They are responsible whether they're righteous or unrighteous. A parent is not responsible ultimately for the child's decisions. I am responsible as a father for being a good or bad father. I am not responsible for my child being a good or bad child, ultimately. There's the big difference. And when we end up tying those things together, we end up playing this game that I am my child. I'm not my child, and my child is not me. Okay, 
and that's Ezekiel 18. But Herman, how many times have I heard people say, you are your father's son, almost as if they were speaking a curse on me or justifying some kind of poor behavior? Well, it's because systems. Think about this. This is one of the key elements that we want to talk about in families, relationships. It is a system. Every relationship is a system. And that means that behavior of both of you does create an impact on the other person. Okay? So if I have grown up in a family that is basically saying men are the only important things, women are lousy, I'm developing that type of thought. If I grow up in a family that says women are the only important thing and men can't be trusted, I'm developing that type of thought. But here's what God says. In spite of the fact that you grew up in that system, you're still responsible for your own decisions. I don't care how bad that system was, and I don't care what was going on in that family system. You're still responsible for your own decisions. That's what Ezekiel 18 is telling us, and that's really important. That is the distinction between acceptance and behavior. I am therefore able to accept you no matter how you've developed, and I am able to look at you and say, you know what, that behavior's poor, I need to correct it, or I want to correct it, or I would like for you to correct it. There's all sorts of ways that we operate with that, and it ends up causing us to try to control somebody, and we're going to look at why acceptance and correcting is done God's way, the best way. Okay, but if I may, I want to dig a little deeper. Can you help me see what that developmental or development looks like? Because I didn't necessarily come from a good background, and I am married to an incredible woman. But we both have our own fears and insecurities, and they're not real. I mean, we feel them because they're real to us, but they're not rational, and they're born out of development. So please help me understand that. Well, everybody understands to a certain degree that where we have come from does influence us, right? Yes, sir. Every family Every business, every relationship that you get into is going to influence you. That is what I'm calling development. The way we like to talk about it, the two D words that I like for people to understand is design versus development. Those are, that's the two biggest areas that we want to be talking okay, about. Okay, one sounds like it's biblical and the other sounds very worldly. Well, development is very, very biblical also, but it's development in the wrong way too much of the time. <laughs> but designs, God has designed me with my testosterone to be more on the powerful side, displaying the power part of God, I could grow up in a family that is developing me to be more relational, to be on the relationship side, the more estrogen progesterone side. That is development. My design is still there, but my development will be such that it will be almost appear that I don't have the design of testosterone. We see this in families all the time. That will give you a little bit of an indication of what I'm talking about, development. Development is learned. Design is inbred or part of your wiring is the way you want to think about this. Okay. Um, what about if I come from a family where screaming is normal? It's mm -hmm. not in the Bible, but every right, someone comes from a Mediterranean background where everybody's very emotional, right. very loud, and somebody may come from a very conservative and quiet family. 
That's development. That's it's development. Not design. That's development. Now there might be some wired in stuff there. Some people are just kind of wired to be loud. <laughs> Why are you looking at me? Extroverted and uh, introverted and all those type of things. There is some wiring along that line. But the issue is that is a good illustration of development. But I don't get permission to say that's how I am. Deal with it. Isn't that kind of abdicating the design that God is asking? Well, God is specifically saying to us that he wants us to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And that is the important element for us to be paying attention to. We, yes, we have this sin nature, but we have the new life of Christ given to me. We have the energy the Holy Spirit provided to me. And he is saying he wants that to override or get rid of all that old development, so to speak. Okay, well, then that's taking me where I really was hoping we could talk today, accepting and correcting. We're mm-hmm. talking about development. We're talking about design. We're talking about development running amok. And now how do I get closer to what God's intended for me? So accepting and correcting, how do I fix this? Well, we want to uh, consider that after the break, but I will just say to you that God is very clear in the way that he wants us correcting people. It's very straightforward, and we will deal with that giving you some clear understanding on how to be considering this straight out of Galatians chapter 6. That's where we're going to be going, Galatians chapter 6. So there you go. Right after the break, greatrelationships.com is the website. Visit us, check out the material, share the broadcast with a friend. We'll be back right after this. Great quotes for great relationships. That woman was taken from man no more implies the inferiority of woman to man than the taking of man from the ground implies the inferiority of man to the ground. Nor does the term helper connote subordination. Dr. Eugene Merrill. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships right now. You don't have to sing the blues about today's issues. Learn to think biblically with Worldview Academy's Bill Jack with simple tools for brain surgery. During Worldview Academy summer camps, we train students to share their faith by using a survey based on the Ten Commandments. It starts like this. How many of the Ten Commandments can you name? Most people quickly name all the don'ts, such as don't steal, lie, murder, However, people nearly always miss the first commandment. That's right, one God. If they miss that one, then all the other rules fall by the wayside anyway, right? One of the habits people develop in suppressing the truth of God is denying that God is. They do not honor God as God. Is your view of Christianity merely a religion of don'ts, or do you honor God in everything you do? Another simple tool for brain surgery. To add more tools to your kit, call 1-800-2411-123. GreatRelationships.com, the website, taking the stress out of your relationships and actually, we hope, putting some smiles in your day Mm -hmm. as we talk. Herman, thank you so much. Listen, before the break... We were talking about design and development, and that led us to correcting when we see that we're being drawn off sides. And what was pretty cool is one of the producers from the show walked in, and as you know, Sharice had some comments to make, and I'm just thinking it's a blessing from God. So I've asked her to join us. Sharice, you have a question. 
Yes, I do. Uh, thank you, Herman, for addressing this being conformed to the image of Christ. And I understand that as a believer that I need to do that. But I'm still dealing with a family system where verbal abuse and running away or cutting people off is the norm in my family system and my husband's. What do we do about that? Wow, great question. What you're asking is, I don't want to tolerate bad behavior. I'd like for them to be able to consider change. But notice, here's something that's really important for us to consider. What do you really want, Sharice? You really want them to change to do it your way, right? Yes, I guess that's it. <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't even want conform. I just want control. <laughs> that's and, and and I'm not saying that that you know it's necessarily bad. I I would love for everybody around me to operate perfectly. You know that yeah. that'd be wonderful, right? Yeah. But the issue is this idea of correcting goes badly because we end up trying to control their behavior. That's what, well, you shouldn't be rolling your eyes, pointing the finger at them. Well, you shouldn't be cutting me off. And notice the operative word, should or shouldn't. That's one of the things that we've talked about before. When we maintain this attitude of should, ought, or must, we are actually removing freedom from the other person. Okay, but Sharice and I both had an example, and I'm going to let her tell the story about a woman's making a very valid point, and her husband rolled the eyes, causing everyone in the room to discount what she said. So this whole should, ought, or must, my question, because Steph, you know, another one of our producers would always say, what does it look like? And my question is, we do these things that are very clear that we're not thinking. Well, yes, and, and circumstances where you see someone's reaction to another person where they're they're making a negative statement just by what they're looking like on you know their face. Right. What about that? Well, it's all the same issue. Just consider this. Uh, the rest of the people are looking at the the person that is rolling their eyes and they're basically going I agree with them and I sure don't agree with agree with them uh, agree with the woman that he's uh, basically rolling his eyes at is that correcting or is that norming that's that is basically just simply trying to control the situation trying to make it go your way that's really what it boils down to it definitely has the flavor of norming because you're basically saying all the group needs to operate in consensus and operate the way we want it to go but the bigger issue for us, as we're trying to talk about acceptance and behavior, is isn't it, wouldn't it have been better for the husband in this situation, because it was a husband and a wife, wouldn't it have been better if the husband could have operated in freedom and gone, I accept her whether she's saying something I agree with or not. And, you know, I don't have to sit here and roll my eyes. I can go, she's entitled to uh, say that. That's okay. And Instead of him trying to influence the rest of the people's behavior related to her comments, that's where we end up messing this up so, so drastically. But when does correcting become controlling? <laughs> it, it's not the same thing. You're either controlling or you're not. It's, not. it's not a matter of correcting. Correction is going to be done, hopefully, with the right attitude. And that's what God is asking us to do. God is asking us to correct somebody Primarily from this angle, controlling is all about me getting my way. Correction would be about truly doing it for their benefit. That would be a way that I would say would be the godly way to consider this. Okay. God is into correction. He's not into control. 
He wants us to be in correction because if we are into control, we're making this about ourselves. And God is specifically stated to us in Galatians 6, 1, a very clear way for us to be looking at somebody else. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. That's really important. Now, how do most people approach this correction mentality? With a club. Yeah, or with manipulation. Always consider that. The way that you want to consider control is the way it is best understood is just put parentheses after control and and put the two words manipulate or dominate. So we're back to submarines and destroyers. That's right. That's how you're doing it. So you're going to end up trying to control somebody. You're going to end up trying to correct them, but you're really not correcting. You're just wanting your way to be seen. And correction is the way God wants it done is is Galatians 6.1. Notice there's three elements. The element of spirituality. Am I not operating in the flesh here or am I operating following the Lord? Which, which is it? Am I following the Lord or am I following my flesh? That's the first issue. Second one, restore. Don't tear them down. Notice the rolling of the eyes of this person. They're, they're actually going... You know, the rest of you guys, you, you really don't want to pay attention to that imbecile. Even though they're married to him in this yeah, case. Yeah, that's exactly right. That, is, that, that has nothing to do with correction. Correction is a restoration process. It's a mending process. It is helping somebody see life differently so that they can actually have a greater capacity to do life differently and better. So it's not only the spiritual component, but it's this restore component. And then this third element is absolutely imperative. And I did not do this enough when I was uh, in my first 50 years. Gentleness. Spiritual restoration, gentleness. That is how we are to be correcting people. It's not a matter of demanding that you do life differently. Well, you shouldn't be operating that way. You must be doing this differently. You ought to be looking at it this way. Should, ought, must. That is the way that we typically end up trying to control somebody, and we end up removing our own freedom with those three words. But we're not correcting somebody when we do that. When I look at my own life, Am I, am I following the Lord as I'm thinking about this? Spiritual. Uh, if I'm following the Lord, then I'm going to have a pursuit of their best restoration. And it's going to be done in an action or an attitude of gentleness. Very important for us to be thinking about. I can accept them and I can correct them. I don't have to be thinking, oh, I just got to tolerate bad behavior. That isn't what we're talking about here. I can accept somebody, and they can be operating incorrectly, and I can go and correct them. But unfortunately, too often, we end up trying to control rather than correct. That is the, that's the bad way to do it. You know, I think too many times, at least in my own life, I justify this should, ought, must kind of thing. 
And then I think I have a secular version of trying to do the should, ought, must, and that I want to give somebody a crummy sandwich. You know, you say something nice, you deliver the bitter piece, (laughs) and you follow it with something nice. So what about this whole notion that I'm supposed to praise before I beat and then praise again? That certainly doesn't sound like anything you just said, and I'm calling it out because no one has ever said correcting should be spiritual, it should be restorative, it should be gentle. If anything, I have always been taught, be justified, be correct, <laughs> address the behavior, not the rationalizations. Just notice the behavior, the system that you're setting up when you do those type of sandwiches. You're basically saying the next time that you hear a compliment coming your way, uh, maybe <laughs> there's something else getting ready to happen here. <laughs> there's another shoe about to drop. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and and I, I understand this. In fact, there there is some actual biblical imperative or biblical examples. Paul did this. He definitely praised and then he corrected. So I can't sit here and say that that is absolutely wrong. If you haven't checked out greatleaders.com, you need to because this reminds me of your teaching on a managerial moment of truth. <laughs> So there you have it, and we'll be back after the break. We are, just in case I confused anybody, we are GreatRelationships.com. The website we wanted you to check out there was GreatLeaders.com, the teaching on managerial moment of truth. We'll be back right after this. Great thoughts for great relationships. If you have to have it your way, you probably are ignoring freedom, grace, love, and to a large extent, the other person. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great. And not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R numeral 8 relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. back. GreatRelationships.com is the website. You get to join me as we find out what Herman's going to say next. Because <laughs> right before the break, we were talking about correcting or norming, and we had even had an example where a spouse was being undercut by their other spouse. Mm-hmm. Wife was getting ready to make a very valid point, and the husband rolled his eyes to everybody in the room like, pay no attention to my wife. Mm-hmm. Or then I think about a person that I know that's overweight, and they're struggling with it. They're trying to lose weight, 
and all of a sudden, you know, it's been kind of a bad day, or even if they've planned their diet so they were going to be able to enjoy this half pint ice cream. Mm -hmm. And right when they sat down to enjoy it, someone really influential in their life walked in and said, I thought you're trying to lose weight. Do you want to be fat? How do you do it if there's a corrector and a correctee, if that's the right term? (laughs) It's the wrong term because actually in every one of those situations, you were judging the other person. You weren't trying to correct them. You were judging them. And that is not what God is wanting. God specifically told us, as we said there in Galatians 6, 1. Now, now think about this. The three elements, spiritual, restorative, and making certain that you're gentle. No, we're, no, we're, it's we're, should, ought, and must. That's right. And, and those, be sure that I am justified. Address the behavior, should, ought, must. That's right. And none of those, none of the three things that God was saying in, in Galatians 6, 1 were part of what you were saying there. Not one of them. All of them were about this person being upset that that person is doing something that they don't like. And notice who the audience really is themselves. That's typically what happens in those type of situations. And that's where you get, it's not the corrector, it's judgment. A judger. You're judging them. You're not giving them the freedom to be a jerk and accept them anyway. Okay, but in this Galatians 6.1, you draw out of that, that when I'm doing this, it should be spiritual. It should be restorative. And you want me to do it gentle? And with gentleness. Well, wait a minute. I don't think Jesus was always gentle. He wasn't always gentle. That's exactly right. But he, in his character, was gentle and meek, meek and gentle. The issue for him is there is a time to basically be mad at evil, as we saw him relating to the people that were in the temple. That Are time. you trying to tell me? Love the sinner, but hate the sin. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no <laughs> doubt about that. But the issue is you don't tolerate evil. Archbishop Chaput, which is a has a great statement, you know, evil ends up trying to get us to uh, be tolerant toward toward evil until it's dominant. Then it tries to silence good. That's a very interesting statement. Evil gets you to say, no, we need to tolerate things that are evil. And then once you start tolerating the things that are evil, then it tries to silence you from saying anything that is good. So our issue here as it relates to accepting and correcting is I want to be correcting somebody with these three elements in mind, my spirituality, meaning am I walking with the Lord? Am I doing it through restoration? Am I being gentle about it? Would I apply James here, quick to listen, slow to speak? Absolutely. Because it would seem to me that a lot of wisdom is needed in correction, and the only place I'm going to get that is at the feet of the cross in prayer. And we need to be careful to pay attention to what we call the five freedom actions related to uh, any correcting. I need to hope, pray, and encourage, sometimes exhort and rebuke. Too often, we immediately see that person eating that ice cream, and we want to rebuke them instead of going, well, I hope that they're paying attention to what they said they wanted to do. I'm going to be praying about it. And uh, would I be able to encourage you and help you uh, stay on that diet if you want to be on it? That's, that's a freedom attitude. That's not a judging attitude. Freedom is not into judging. Freedom is into allowing a person to be who they are and still speaking the truth to them. I'm not trying. It's not my job to change anybody. It's not my job to change you. 
it's not your job to change me. Do you want me to turn in my Junior Holy Spirit T-shirt? <laughs> yes, I do. I'd, I'm I'm hoping that I can get rid of mine. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do. But you've been working on three things in your own life, and forgive me if I want to talk about it, but I think they could be beneficial to other people. If I want to move from being a corrector, actually judgment, then there are these three things that I can start to focus on. Well, it, it, it has to do with all of my life more than just this particular segment of my life. I am always wanting to focus on the fact that I am 100% depraved. We don't have enough time to get into that, but everybody has a sin nature. And apart from the, the grace of God, I will end up sinning. I will end up doing nothing that is according to God. So I'm depraved. Secondly, I, I want to make certain that I'm focused on my depravity so that I'm making sure that I'm available to God rather than thinking that I have the right plan for my day. God has a plan for my day, and I just want to be available to him. And then thirdly, I want to make certain that I'm thankful in all things. Those are three critical things that we can be paying attention to. Herman, I can go to the website, greatrelationships.com. What chapter do you want me to look at? Where should I be looking if I want to dig deeper? If you want to dig deeper on this accepting and correcting, you want to go to chapter 8 in the section Freedom and Choice. It's the second section of chapter 8. There you have it, greatrelationships.com. The three things that we can start looking at in our life from Herman, at least overall, is that we are depraved. And the big one for me is, am I available? Am I really making myself open to hear what God is telling me, especially in this program? And am I grateful? We are grateful for you, for your prayers and your thoughtful support. Until next time, God bless you. Barbara, I'm glad we could meet for lunch. What was it you wanted to talk about? I just can't accept my husband's behavior. What is Bill doing that's got you so upset? He is always watching TV. He ought to be able to control the amount of time he watches. But not Bill. He would waste the whole day if I let him. Correcting can go badly if you're trying to control his behavior because you're removing freedom. Correcting only works if your intention is to do it with gentleness and for his benefit. In that case, I better cut this lunch short because when I left the house, I wanted to control what Bill was watching on TV. How could you control the TV when you're not there? It was easy. I just picked up the TV remote and put it in my purse. Join us next week when Herman invites you to include freedom in your relationships. You might even have less trouble finding your remote. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now.